0: Hello, and welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is a podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive politics has a lot to offer the modern world. I'm Helen Shah, and I'm joined by my colleague Stephanie Lloyd to discuss this week's happenings in Labour and beyond. Steph, it's been another really hectic week in Westminster. Last night we had yet another Brexit vote, not a meaningful vote, but who really knows what meaningful means anymore. Now, the big news here is that the Labour frontbench amendment designed to move Theresa May's negotiating position to one that fulfills Keir Starmer's magic five tests failed, meaning we're seeing a move, well, finally, towards conference policy over public vote. What do you think about this? I mean, it was a
1: bit of a non-event. I mean, we've seen, as you say, we've seen the kind of Labour leadership shift over the last week. Monday was the big announcement of the Parliamentary Labour Party meeting where they meet every Monday. And the kind of all of the noise that came out from that was that Labour was finally going to shift towards a people's vote if they couldn't get their amendment through. Obviously, as we saw last night, that didn't happen. So now it's really kind of is the proof in the pudding about whether or not they're actually going to shift towards it. We saw some of the kind of leadership outliers last night, people like Richard Bergen tweeting saying, oh, we we can have another crack before we move to a people's vote. Mm -hmm. But obviously Keir Starmer, Emily Thornberry uh, came out very strongly saying that is now going to be the policy. Barry Gardner did a very patronising tap on Trucker arm which was uh, <laughs> kind of set Twitter on fire for those that didn't see it and he was saying oh this is this is always what we have thought this is this has always been our conference policy when actually you know everybody was plain for everyone to see that they were trying to manoeuvre away from that as much as they could but Who knows why they're shifting now? I mean, Mm. you know, could it be that they're scared that more MPs are going to defect over Brexit if they don't support conference policy or a people's vote? Um, And it will be what kind of people's vote do they back? Will it be the Carl Wilson amendment? Mm -hmm. Um, And for those of the listeners that don't know, uh, that's the amendment that's been put together uh, by Peter Carl and Phil Wilson, which says that Parliament would vote through Theresa May's deal, but only on the condition that they have a referendum that goes to the people on Theresa May's deal or the option to remain in the European Union. And the important thing about that is that it would be binding. So unlike the last referendum, which was just a guide, this would be unequivocally binding in terms of as soon as that was passed, that would then be the ratification it needs and it wouldn't have to go back through Parliament. So maybe it's their kind of clever amendment and the way that they've thought about this to try and unify the party and those that are worried but last night was a bit of a non-event in that sense. But it does move the dial a little bit more to see what's going to happen over the next
0: couple of weeks. And um, Yeah, really interestingly about the Kyle Wilson Amendment, there'll be a bit more about this in your Progress magazine, which is coming out soon, is that this idea of a referendum, which sort of the result being the final sort of throw of the dice, was last used uh, successfully with the ratification of the Good Friday Agreement, which mm. is obviously... Been back in the news. You know, I spoke to Jonathan Powell about it and was another solution to what is an incredibly divided and complex issue. Well, it's the kind of idea that, you know, when there is such
1: unbelievable gridlock in Parliament, Mm -hmm. what, and we saw really interesting contributions this week from people like Pat McFadden MP, the idea that what you can't just do is delay if all you're going to do is delay to continue the kind of gridlock that Parliament's in. So I think the amendment of which they've come up with is actually one that's quite unifying, Mm -hmm. uh, but also, as we say, gives that level of finality. It's not going to be which is the argument you always hear thrown back about a people's vote, oh, well, is it best of three? Is it best of five? Exactly. You know, how when does this ever end? It gives a very definitive end point to, to those kind of debates and where that goes. I mean, I think the thing that was, also quite remarkable last night, was just how badly the Tories had been whipped. Mm. I mean, you got the point where Theresa May was asking, what lobby am I meant to be going through? Am I voting for this? Am I not? (laughs) Rumour had Chris Grayling voted for for the uh, Cooper Cooper Letwin amendment and he wasn't meant to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think someone saw Chris Grayling um, in the lobby during... Uh, the Corbyn Amendment like in in the yes lobby and they were like no you're in the wrong lobby I mean that's classic Chris Grayling isn't it yeah literally the man I mean I'm not shocked he can't run the train because he <laughs> can't even do the
1: basics of voting in his own job but, um, but yeah I think it, it is a very interesting move and as I say I think it will be Very, very interesting to see what happens Mm. in terms of that shift of power within
0: the party. Um, Just quickly, you mentioned Emily Thornberry and Keir Starmer, who this week have sort of come out swinging. I remember Emily Thornberry earlier this week did a media round where she sort of sounded over the moon. It was like, Mm. you know, it was her birthday or something um, where she announced that... Labour had finally come to this conference policy. I don't know what your opinion is, Steph, with maybe a little bit more insight than I have um, about the Labour source who tried to contradict Thornberry and Starmer, who are obviously both front-bench Labour MPs, um, who claim they misspoke. What does that tell us about the mood in the leader's office around Brexit?
1: I mean, we've always known that the reason why the Labour Party has taken so long to get to the conclusion of which it has in terms of conference policy... And how we ended up with even the conference policy that we do have was because there is such unbelievable opposition from, you know, the leader's staff. So all the people that are paid to work around and advise Jeremy Corbyn. And obviously they then started briefing that this wasn't true and and that Emily Thornberry was speaking out of turn. She was the one that did the media rounds on the evening of Monday Mm -hmm. um, when it came to that announcement that came out of the Parliamentary Labour Party meeting. And then they were quite firmly slapped down by Keir Starmer on the Today programme on uh, Tuesday morning, who used the wor- who used the words, I believe, people should be listening to the elected politicians rather than the spokes, the kind of self appointed spokespeople for the party. So. I think it kind of it just really starts to highlight in a much more public way the tensions that we've known have been going in between the leader's office and, and certain members of the front bench for, for a very long time in terms of Brexit. So uh, let's
0: see let's see who wins. Mm. Exciting. Now, in other news, obviously we've spoken a lot about and we've campaigned a lot on the issue of anti-Semitism within the Labour Party mm-hmm. and the slow response of the party to deal with the problem. Now. It was incredibly sad to see Luciana Berger, who's the MP for Liverpool Wavertree, choose to join the independent group, mainly as a result of the abuse that she'd received. And we saw an escalation of the crisis, if that could even be possible, uh, on Wednesday, when a video of the, well, now suspended, uh, Labour MP Chris Williamson speaking to a momentum meeting in which I believe he said that the Labour Party had been too apologetic about anti-Semitism. Oh,
1: it was disgraceful. I mean... This man and his ginormous string of examples of, uh, to be fair, in, term, in the words of the Jewish labour movement, Jew baiting. Mm. And the fact that he stood at that meeting and said those words is an absolute testament to just how institutional a problem this is because it wasn't just that he said it and that he's purposely trying to whip up anger and hatred and get... Uh, jewish people to leave the labor party which is the result of his actions and what he does but also the thing that was horrifying as well was the applause within the room yeah in terms of how that works and what we saw yesterday wednesday was utterly disgraceful from the leadership of the labor party not only did they come out in the morning to say oh, it's not that bad. There's not that much of a problem. We're not going to suspend him. Then by the end of the day, to have had to have done a U-turn. And let's think about what actually happened here. It took the deputy leader of the Labour Party, Tom Mm -hmm. Watson, to come out and say, the man should have the whip removed. It took one of the leading anti-racist charities in this country to make an utterly unprecedented move Mm -hmm. and call for a Labour MP to have the whip removed in terms of his anti-Semitic abuse and rhetoric. It took literally dozens and dozens of MPs time after time coming out and saying, this man has gone too far. He should not be a representative of the Labour Party. And the idea that people then started tweeting, saying, oh, this is really swift action from the leadership oh, when they finally suspended the man was just a disgrace. And it, and it shows and the, Le- the Labour Party deserves absolutely no praise for suspending yeah. him because one, it took them so long and two there were even rumours that jeremy himself had intervened to try and stop this from happening you saw former press officers from the party last night tweeting for the first time about how jeremy didn't want um allegedly didn't want ken livingston to be removed mm-hmm. he saw no problem with his comments when all the all of the scandal broke out about mm. ken livingston over his comments mm. about hitler and zionism And again, it just it just shows all of those that say this is not an institutional problem are going to lead to the failure of the Labour Party, not only in terms of it being a safe place for Jewish members, but also in terms of our electoral success. Because we rightly shouldn't be being elected if we cannot even deal with anti-Semitism in our own party. So, you know, I think yesterday was a very sad day again for the Mm -hmm. Labour Party. Far too many of Mm -hmm. these happening right now. But if they are going to take this seriously, they have to act quickly and actually swiftly and do deep-rooted problems in terms of changing this. Because as an institution, they are fundamentally failing to tackle this problem.
0: Absolutely. I just want to pick up on something you said about the press officer and something that I uh, actually saw on Twitter, unsurprisingly, before coming to record this podcast. In the thread, um, apparently, I don't know if it's true or not, Jeremy Corbyn said something around the time of... uh, he, when he said that he didn't want to suspend Ken Livingston, that he didn't want to upset people who were pro-Palestinian within the party. So that
1: was his staff that said, no matter what we do, we've got to be really careful to not upset pro-Palestinian um, campaigners. And
0: I think it's an interesting thing to just like quickly think about in terms of I saw at the same time the uh, chair of the APPG on Palestine mm. saying that Chris Williamson, I'm very pro-Palestinian, we all know my views, but Chris Williamson has never been to a meeting of the APPG on Palestine. Mm. And I think it's really important to remember not only is anti-Semitism and everything he's done awful, but the semblance of the, the defence that people try to put up about why they're not taking action is completely wrong. That this is not a question of, you, you know, loving Palestine or caring about the issue. That's completely separate to the kind of abuse that he's been doling out to people and all the dubating that he's been engaging in. Yeah, I mean, the man is an absolute disgrace. Let's not forget that when
1: Pete Wilsman, who is a member of the National Executive Committee for the Labour Party, that is the highest body of the Labour Party, uh, went on a rant at the uh, middle of last year saying that all Jewish people were Trump fanatics and this was all a Mm. smear and it's all a smear to Jeremy Mm. Corbyn. Even when, despite the fact the leadership of momentum were in the room at the time when that happened, uh, even when two weeks after yet again more public pressure, they decided to remove their support for Pete Wilsman in mm. his re-election, a man they were originally backing, it was Chris Williamson that went on a one-man band to try <laughs> and ensure that God. Pete Millsman was re-elected. Yeah. There is nothing about this man yeah. who shares any values with the Labour Party in terms Absolutely. of anti-racism. And again, when you're looking at the idea of, you know, the people that they are letting in, people like Derek Hatton, who they then had to suspend, it just shows the Labour Party is in an utter shambles yeah. over its core identity mm. and the things that the leadership want to do but are stopped doing by public pressure.
0: Absolutely, and you can see it in the behaviour of um, Corbyn's outriders as well. A number of people, as you said, saying that this action had been swift. We saw someone else, there is some evidence of someone else deleting references to Chris Williamson in Medium articles. Well,
1: people are just trying to change history and, and the, the side of which they sit on. You saw lots of kind of people very close to the leadership of the party yesterday saying it was outrageous and this is what we can't do. These are people who were very happy to Mm. embrace this man and hug him when he was touring the television studio saying it was all a smear last summer. So the problem is, is the proof's in the pudding. And this is why when people say it's institutional, they're, they're correct and, and they mean it because at every level of leadership, it's not just about the processes of which you have in place. Mm. It's the people that you have run those institutions and it's the attitudes of which they have. And, Currently, there is nothing that that makes me think that they are trying to actually change. It is only by extreme public pressure that they ever kind of move on any of these mm. issues. And I think if there hadn't been quite the outpouring of outrage of people yesterday from Chris Williamson, and let's not let's not forget it was also a local journalist, yeah. uh, that broke that story. Another reason why we should all love uh, local journalism, save local news. But you know, I think I I think we would have seen far more of our amazing Jewish colleagues, leave the party yesterday, had they not been suspended. But the damage, again, is almost irreconcilable at the moment in terms of actions speak much louder than words. And the problem is, is their actions don't match up to the words of which they say.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we talk a lot about being anti-racist campaigners and sort of how we express solidarity. And I think that it's really important when we think about this issue that Solidarity only means something if marginalized groups stand up for each other. Mm. As I mentioned before, I'm Muslim and I've had awful experiences, with Islamophobia, you know, racism, and even as a woman, I'm sure you can relate to this, mm. um, misogyny and my politics and my identity is reliant on people like Steph who don't share my identity standing up for me. Mm. And I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be in this position, I don't think I'd be in politics or in the public sphere without them because it's so hard. And it's really important when we see things like this and we see the behaviour of people like Chris Williamson that we call it out because we should all do the same and we should never allow another situation like Luciana's or Chair of Young Labour, Miriam, who receives loads and loads of abuse, to happen on our watch if we think that we're anti-racist campaigners. Agreed. Um, so, right, so that's the sort of sad and uh, also the mushy bit for me over. Um, what do we have to look forward in the next to in, in the next week? Well, there's a couple of things. There'll
1: be more, some, you know, some more joyful uh, Brexit drama, I'm almost certain Always. of. Um, you've seen rumours already that apparently Theresa May might even bring the votes forward by a week, so... Let's see what happens there. But, I mean, we're getting very excited for our political weekend. Yes, Um, we are. That is happening next weekend. Um, So it's basically uh, a weekend away for uh, members of uh, Progress or people who have progressive politics. And basically what we're doing is a kind of big political school, big political education um, where people learn skills and they learn um, kind of tackling some of the big policy questions that we need to be able to answer in terms of the causes of Brexit and what led us to our current politics. So we've still got a couple of bursaries left. So this is to make sure that, you know, cost is is not a barrier to people to be able to participate in these things. Um, so we've still got a couple left. We've got a couple more spaces that we were able to, were able to fill. We've got more people coming than ever before.
0: So um, let's make sure that we get as many people there as possible. Please, it made me very happy. When I put the programme together, I thought, you know, what would the listeners of our podcast like to come and see? And we've, got uh, a very own live, we've got a live podcast there as well. Yeah, and you get to see me take a turn on the stage live for the very first time. So if that's not hilarious, I don't know what else will be. <laughs> well, that's all from us this week. Have a lovely weekend. And as always, tell your friends about our incisive analysis, IRL, and by subscribing, rating and reviewing. you've been listening to the progressive Britain podcast the music was one in the west by blue dot sessions licensed under creative commons and many thanks for our fantastic and long-suffering producer caroline crampton